the Code Hanger on 2SER 107.3 FM. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which we broadcast and record this show, the Gadigal of the Euro Nation, and we pay our respects to elders past and present. The Code Hanger is a show and podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. I'm your guest host, Peter Holden, and I'm joined by this week... Emma Phillips here, for joining you from Bidjigal Land. Had to think about that then, sorry. Bidjigal Land, I'm on. Fiona Lamb coming to you from um, Garingai country. And Coach Kiwi coming to you from Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung land. And-, and not to confuse anyone, but I am filling in for Fee and also filling in for Emma, who are both here, but Tracy is not. Does that make sense, everybody? Complete sense. <laughs> coming up on this I'm week. Just, I'm, just, I'm just coming along for the ride this week. <laughs> so good to have you here, Fee. Yay. Thanks. Thanks very much. It's nice to be visiting. Coming up on this week's show, we are going to be talking about the GWS Giants and its ups and downs from Wednesday through to Sunday. We'll also focus on Indigenous jumpers or the lack thereof. Uh, We'll also talk about a couple of Lions marquee players who are doing better elsewhere and seasons. When should the AFLW actually be played? An article was put out by Libby Birch. But first of all, let's go to the home team. Let's go to the GWS Giants. Emma Phillips, you have Wednesday, a lot of joy. They kicked a goal on the siren with Cat Smith, and then you have Sunday in Canberra. Oh, look, it's such a roller coaster for the Giants, isn't it? I mean, if we needed a word to sum them up, maybe roller coaster would be it. And that might be going over several years as well. Um, I had high hopes for the Giants tonight. Great to see Cat Smith put that goal through. I mean, total childhood dream, wasn't it? Only several days ago and, and really, you know, riding that wave and we were all excited getting on board with them. But then uh, Carlton just tonight would have thought that Pip Carlton just riding on the back of that sort of joy. I know it's only a few days that, since they've played, but just hard to watch. I mean, they had moments where they really put it together, the Giants, and they had a bit of free-flowing footy, but too often I think just poor decision-making without too much pressure. And then a similar thing with skill errors, again, without too much pressure, things like not hitting handball targets. It's just, it's not on. I mean, look, there are a couple of games to go. And I wonder whether at this point, we really do have to start wondering if McConnell is on the way out and is it really time for them to replace him next season? They were very generous too. I mean, look, they um, they they allowed Darcy Vessio to kick 50 goals. They they have now kicked 50 goals in uh, the, the very first player to reach 50 goals. So you welcome, Darcy. <laughs> they could like that, the Giants. <laughs> and, and also, Giants, oh, they are number one in something. Let me just check my notes. Oh, yes, they're number one in the league in giving away free kicks. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> are we at the point where we have to find something good to say about the GWS Giants. I just Kiwi, did. what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, yeah. Anyway, give us something good. The downside about the free kick thing is, and, and Charlotte made a really good point, um, they currently give away 20 free kicks a game is their current average, which is pretty much like the disposal count of another midfielder. So, you know, we talk about – usually it's a midfielder, but we usually talk about the high possession getters, right? You know, who's had 20 disposals, who's had 19, who's had 17, you know, and occasionally it gets up towards 30. So each week they're giving away 20 um, possessions with the ball. That's, so, fee, fee, they're gifting Carlton or Vessio with 50 player. goals and also providing the opposition with an extra mid. Yep. They're a very lovely team. Now, look, um, I actually thought that they show – I know, like, they dug deep on Wednesday night against, you know, it wasn't a huge quality game and that's how Saints play. And and we all know sometimes you have quality players and you sort of drop a level a little bit, you know, against, you know, medium teams. Mm. Um, but they dug deep and they never gave in. And, you know, all credit to them to apply that pressure and force that ball with a minute and a half to go back down the other end and and an opportunity. And, um, and you know, it's, it's one of those – free kicks that they give away which ended up being the 50 is we all know that the retaliation cops a bigger penalty than the first crime 
And, and, you know, it's unfortunate for Sheila that she's obviously retaliated to what Elise Parker did to her in the middle of the field, which started at the other end of the square, if you get to go back and look at it. It's just hilarious. What it also showed to me was the commentators who are not at the games, what they are missing. Anyway, that's another thing. We'll come into that one. But I actually thought today's game or Sunday's game with the Giants, they showed patches of some real, I don't know, some bits that we go, you know, there's some hope here. There's some real hope about bits of where they're moving the ball and then I don't know if it's a fatigue factor that then comes in or you know I think throughout the whole se- season they've shown um you know that decision making whether they've got um you know I think we talked about it before is the fear in them the, you know scared to make a decision or scared to take the game on or afraid of making errors and things which happens to players um but, yeah, I just thought there were bits of today where they um, did have some good ball movement and did link up the field really well. It just looked to me like Carlton were just a little bit more hungrier and um, and came home and, you know, everyone loves Darcy. So um, nice to let her kick her 50th goal without a doubt, but her, uh, their 50th goal. Uh, but, you know, stop at that. Don't let Darcy get their 51st. All the rest of the team, you know, let's just stop. Well, another thing that GWS did give, it seems to be ammunition to a possible rivalry. I'm not sure if many people saw on Twitter because the tweet was deleted about an hour or so later, but a Saints player did tweet some video behind the goal vision of after that kick from Cat Smith that a Giants player you couldn't quite identify went up to Kate Shearlaw and gave a bit of chirp on the way through. So it looks like by the Saints players... It has been noted. Well, I think that particular player that may have gained the chirp, I think everyone knows chirps every game nonstop. So nothing new and don't bite back at it. It just feeds. And in fairness, Sheila probably dates one of the best chirpers in the game. (laughs) (laughs) so she's a chirper by association yeah well i just think you know she knows she obviously knows the benefits of of good chirping hey birds of a feather chirp together (laughs) (laughs) i think look i think um it really was there was the intensity was definitely there tonight it was it wasn't like the giants didn't want to win it was just that um, you know, they lacked the the skills in the moment that were required, and Carlton just had it in spades. How do we how do we rate Katie Loins's contribution to the Giants? Do we think? You know, we we had some conversation at the start of the year about her being a somewhat controversial pickup at her age, given that they're you know should perhaps be developing players at this point. The Giants and Loins, reflecting back on what's it been eight eight games? How do we think she's contributed? She's got a goal tonight. She's got a goal tonight. I think I think she I think it's her experience that she brings. And she goes really hard at the con contest. <laughs> Nearly said concert. She she's ready to party. But no, she goes really hard at the contest. And I think what she's doing or hopefully inspiring the younger ones, this is how you do it. This is how you really put your body on the line. And this is, you know, similar to Cora in a way, is that they're the more mature and experienced players in the team. They just know even when the chips are down, you still rock in, you go hard, you tie your laces and you don't give up until the siren goes. And and I think the Giants needed someone like her. And I think today, you know, there's probably a bit in it because she's playing against her old team. But I think, you know, I think she I, I think she's contributing pretty well. And I think she's proving, you know, she still had some run in the legs. And she's not gonna be the up and down the field. She's not. She's not that. But she's not that type of player. So you just use her in a different way. Um, but yeah, I think you know. I thought Erin coming back in was probably. I thought she got really involved for someone who's been out with concussion. I thought she came back and had a real solid contribution from the get go. Uh, you know, she the first ruck tap. She was already down trying to bend it, bend at her um, feet to pick up the ball, which you know rucks don't to do much but she doesn't have a lot of that in her game she sort of lets the midfielders and that is their job to get at her feet when she's landing um but i thought she you know probably fired up a little bit mm. today from what we've seen of of erin as well so i think there's some young players coming through and maybe that's what the giants do now i know they said mathematically but i think it's actually not going to be mathematically possible 
um, for them to get two wins and then jump just because of pure percentages, it'd have to be an absolute huge march in which, let's face it, when you're playing four quarters of 15 minutes, it's not going to happen to get that kind of a margin. But um, but I think now maybe, you know, do you look at bringing in your young players that are going to stay with you next year and resting up the players potentially that Swans could take? Yeah, it's the big question, mm-hmm. isn't it? Talking about, uh, as you did, Emma, one player moving from one club to another, which was Katie Lyons from Carlton to the GWS Giants. Uh, Kiwi noted about the Brisbane Lions' original marquee signings. They were Sabrina Frederick, who actually came originally across from WA, and Queenslander Taylor Harris. They both had an interesting journey. A few years later, Sabrina would go down to uh, the state of Victoria, would play with Richmond, and then be delisted by Richmond, and now be at Collingwood. Taylor Harris, of course, after season one, would go to Carlton, had a big spat over money and other things uh, at the end of last season and has now ended up at Melbourne. Both of their stories so far, Kiwi, for Sabrina, she was dropped the previous week, kicked four goals in the VFLW and seems to have bounced back in the AFLW. Taylor found a new home and I guess some guidance from Daisy Pierce, and she at the moment is tied in leading the league goal kicking with 15 goals. Yeah, isn't it interesting? And, you know, they were marquee players, which you expect um, to be the absolute superstars. And at the time, they were quite young. So you expect that superstar status to last 10 years, perhaps, you know. And so they really went off the ball after a few and moved to the big state where probably more pressure, more spotlight on you. And they both didn't seem to shine as much, I guess. Um, But this season... They've got their spark back, and I think Taylor, she's kicking a goal a game at the moment, um, and, you know, she's taking some outrageous numbers of contested marks. which yeah, Averaging two, actually, two. Kiwi. Is it two? Just it's under two. An outrageous number consistently. Um, is that two this season or two in her career? Yeah, this season. Yeah, okay, right. Um, I thought it might have been more. All right, but, yeah, she's – but, you know, and then she does that specky, which – you know, we just love to see. Um, and then Sabrina, she she was dropped last week to get her hands on the footy, which, you know, I think that's what she sort of did at Richmond, sort of got a little bit lost. And I think that's what, um, you know, Steve sees her potential, obviously, and just said, you know, go play the seconds and, you know, get your hand on the footy, get some touches and do all those things. And, you know, she did that in the VFLW, getting, you know, getting the four goals. And back in today and, you know, I thought she was used really well. I thought they fed the ball to her. Um, she battled for it. She came up the ground. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really interesting how sometimes that freshness or sometimes um, moving in, it could be just, you know, moving into the right groove or the right um, the right mob if you find your mob. But and also got, having got that mob. parallel um, second-tier competition, is it just shows again the value of that. If she'd been dropped for the week, what would she have done? Played with the train on? Well, yeah, or, exactly. Or train, See, Giants know, if she was in Sydney feet. Yeah, Giants yeah. don't have that, yeah. unfortunately. And that's I think mm. Giants need a VFLW team. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, they, 100%. If the yep. men do it, why not the women? Agree. Mm-hmm. No argument from me. The issue, as we always point out, is money, right? Who's going to pay for that? Yeah, the Giants got money. they got money. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'd be willing to pay for it then. <laughs> no, actually, I'm certain they are. I spoke to somebody you know, with good knowledge a few years ago, and he said then they should get a team and they had applied and I think they were knocked back from across the border. Mm. So they were willing to put the money behind the woman, so that's um, really awesome to hear. Since maybe it'll maybe it'll be once swans come in, it will actually happen. Who knows? Let's see. Since the, they just play each other each week. Since the issue of money was uh, put on the table, as we mentioned, Taylor Harris left from Carlton to Melbourne, um, reportedly over money. The Carlton camp was kind of saying, oh, it's 150 grand. Um, uh, Alexandre Taylor's manager was saying, no, it was nowhere near that. But what we do know out of that circumstance is that Taylor is only on a one-year contract at the moment at Melbourne. So I guess the interesting question is, she reportedly says that she's happy at Melbourne, she has Daisy in her ear, but this could be Daisy's last year. Does she stay at Melbourne? Does the money come round where, say, someone like Hawthorne, a very big club, might say, come my way? Or, as I posed on air on uh, Wharf Radio on our VFLW Match of the Day on Saturday, and I put my hand up for starting this rumour, um, 
we know the AFL in the past have kind of helped with a marketing budget with the Sydney Swans to have forwards like Tony Lockett, Barry Hall, Buddy Franklin. Would there be a bit of marketing money assistance from the AFL to the Sydney Swans if Taylor was interested in moving to the Harbour City? Oh, with the controversial questions, Peter, again. It's, is, are you suggesting that Taylor Harris could be like the Warwick Kappa of the AFLW Swans team, something like that? Well, I think, sorry, we need to say it, it, Taylor Harris, friend of the pod. Let's the seeds early. I'm just putting it out there that, of course, she's one of the most well-known names, and that's obviously why she was asking for more marketing money at uh, Carlton. She's one of the most well-known names in the league. And yep. no doubt the uh, AFL would love that the Swans start with a bang, even if they're not going to be in contention for the flag, have someone that drags players through the gates. Elise Parker, we may all know as the best player, does she drag players through the gates? Taylor Harris potentially drags people through the gates and gets column inches in the paper. Yep. Uh, she's still quite a young player, um, but she, I th- also think she's a great player. I, I'm so pleased she found a home this this year, this season. Um, I, I guess I get a bit sentimental and I, I feel like I, I'd like her to stay where she is, but hey, we'll embrace her. Well, I just <laughs> looked up the Sydney. rules. I looked up the rules as well because part of her moving to Victoria was around the boxing thing and New oh. South Wales used to have a rule where females could not box competitively. Pretty sure now it has relaxed. So um, so that's part of Taylor is, yes, Taylor, the big superstar marketing, uh, a high-marking player who smiles at the Colgate ad, and then the other side of it is her boxing career. So, um, you know, it's it would be good. But, yeah, I mean, she looks great in the Demons uniform, but sure swans. I guess she yeah, should sure. smile while she's got while she's got teeth. <laughs> Boxing is not the right career, right? <laughs> the obvious thing to say. <laughs> Look, Taylor is very Sydney, isn't she? Isn't she the, the the perfect glam product that suits the general Sydney vibe? Anyway, what are you saying, Em? What I'm, what? I'm reminding people that Em is she's actually got... Melbourne born. <laughs> is it because she's got tattoos, blonde hair? Athletic, well, could hang at the beach, blend in with everyone at Bondo. Yep, all of those things. She and look, obviously, obviously, Taylor Harris isn't necessarily one of those players who is motivated by loyalty, by the long-term idea of staying at one club for a hundred games. You know, so money does talk for Harris. Let's let's be honest about it. You know, she's happy to move around. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if there is a very big push right now from a number of clubs, as you say, Peter to try to attract Harris to them. And I think Sydney would be leading the charge on that. They'd be silly not to. And let's face it, her manager, Alex, she can sniff a coin. So if there's any notes a good that manager, follow, That's what a good manager should exactly, do? Exactly, exactly. And if there's some big notes that will follow those little coins, Alex will be in there. and Sydney you know, all over. And, and that's why you want a good manager to do exactly that. So, um, yeah, she's got the right peeps around her. Let's get to the next issue. Now, of course, as we do at the start of the show, we mentioned from what Indigenous land that we're broadcasting from, and this is Indigenous Round. Uh, every game had the welcome to country, but notably, some sides didn't wear their Indigenous jumper this week. They'll be wearing it next week. Two that uh, we can remember off the top of our head were interesting. Uh, one, North Melbourne didn't wear their Indigenous jumper, which is it's kind of almost a majority blue with a little bit of white, and there was talk that maybe it clashes too much with Melbourne's uh, Indigenous jumper, which was a lighter shade of blue than their normal blue. But the other one, which happened Sunday night, Giants versus Carlton, it was said on the Fox Footy broadcast that Carlton weren't allowed to wear their jumper because it clashes with the Giants. Does, does anyone ever see blue clash with white and orange? Mm, it's not a typical clash, um, is it? Not blind Freddy, but his colourblind cousin Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the box, Kiwi. <laughs> what is going on? What is going on here with with these so-called unique rounds? So we have Indigenous round, we have Pride round recently as well, and several clubs deciding, no, no, they didn't want to be a part of those rounds at that time, that they would opt in with their own jumper when they felt like it. Now, we're not including West Coast in this with respect to the Pride jumper because they completely opted out of that. But some clubs are playing, so the Giants played their, their Pride jumper the following week, North Melbourne played an Indigenous jumper last week. 
what's going on? Has anyone got any answers on this? It's very odd. And I think it diminishes the, the status of these great rounds. Well, it, it seems uh, to be the um, directive this year that, that they can just pick and choose when their pride round is or when their Indigenous round is. And, um, I mean, on the one hand, I suppose we sh- I, I feel we should probably incorporate um, Indigenous, the, the, the uh, roots of this game uh, more comprehensively. So to just have it as a round is not as good as, as um, acknowledging country, for example, at every game and, and maybe having an elder at every game. I, I think that would be fine. But if they're going to call it a particular round, I don't understand this. Well, th- this is our pride round and this is our Indigenous round. Um I mean, the Giants are wearing their Indigenous Guernsey for away. Is that correct? Most teams are using it for their away kit. Right. And so most of them are wearing it through throughout, yeah, not just, yes, just for yeah. one, one week. Yeah. So uh, I don't – I mean, I don't object to that. What I find strange is, is – uh, and I am drawing a bit of a parallel with the Pride round where people, where it seemed to be, oh, well, no, this isn't our Pride round, but this one is. And I don't think you necessarily have to be at home to call it your pride, the Pride round. You've got to play someone, right? <laughs> so you can't, you can't oh, wait, maybe just stay at home and then you can have a Pride round by yourselves. <laughs> well, I looked at that game that was played down at Ngunnawal Country and I thought, you know, really, the reality is one team is pretty much navy blue and shades of blue perhaps with some white, but navy blue shorts, that's one colour, pretty dark, versus a team that's predominantly white. Even on TV, if, you're black, if you have a black and white TV, that would still not clash. <laughs> and then I thought, um, the uh, sorry, I forgot the lady who um, did the welcome. But she was welcoming everyone and talking about their Guernseys. And I thought the only two Indigenous players were standing in that team that during the week had spoken how proud they were of their jersey and they cannot wear it at this game. So I think in a way we've ripped ripped them off in a little bit of, now nah, we're going to make the rules. But here you go. You tell us how proud you are and what Indigenous round means to you and what this jumper means to you, but you're not allowed to wear it on that night. Yeah, so, it's so is it a design issue? Is it that there's sort of designing in silos and someone suddenly says, oh, damn it, we've got a clash and you can now no longer wear your Indigenous jumper because it's going to look too much like Melbourne's light-coloured blue or whatever is going on. Well, in this case, is there a coordinated effort that needs to happen so that they can actually play in them all in the same round? Well, the changeability of the fixture is a problem too. Yeah, I think mm, it's a little yeah, bit. But then I, don't, I think we're almost back caught up to what they pre-planned. So there are some Indigenous jumpers that are for home, like Fremantle's is a home jumper. Mm. Um, but, yeah, maybe maybe they just say this is a particular round in the future and always wear an Indigenous jumper for the away kit perhaps. Yeah. Well, I suppose what we're what – we're, we need to name it as tokenism. It does seem to be uh, a fair bit of tokenism that's going on. So they're, they're just um, – no, there's there seems to be a lack of engagement, r- real engagement with um, why we need an Indigenous round and why we need a Pride round. And certainly um, uh, I think we can do better. I think the league can mm. do better on both counts. Um, but particularly with the Pride round, um, the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras is next weekend. It would make more sense for me for a Sydney team to be uh, aligned with that in some way. I mean, Pride goes for uh, the the Mardi Gras festival goes for a few weeks. Um, and even if it's not just about Sydney, it's, it's an international event. So I'm sorry, Melbourne. I'm sorry... <laughs> Sorry, well, Victoria. No, you're not. You're not sorry. You to should actually <laughs> pay some attention to this. Next year is World Pride. It's from the 15th of February to I think about the third, or the, well, the first weekend in March. Um, this is an opportunity for, assuming that the that the season um, doesn't change um, 
when its play doesn't change. I think this is an opportunity for AFL and AFLW to actually get it right. And if they don't engage, then I think they need to fess up and say they don't actually care about this. It's not just tokenism. It's not just rainbow washing. It's actually a disgrace. And they should just bow out if they're not going to do it right. Say what, say what you really think, Fee. Go on. Say now. Go on. Wow. <laughs> um, no, I, I do totally want agree to add to that, Fee. Right there with you on that one. I think it was last week when uh, roughly around about Pride time was big celebrations in Melbourne around about the Pride Festival. Um, was that the Midsummer Festival, yeah? Yeah, and they had a big Pride thing mm. down at, around St Kilda. They closed off some yes. streets. Yeah, and Pride March. Flags as, yeah. yeah, so that's so, the Melbourne-based one. Well, the sport is Sydney's Melbourne. much better. The sport, <laughs> the sport is Victorian, sorry. Oh, look, I can say for dykes and bikes around the country, hey, yes, you can ride in all the other marches, but only in Sydney can you ride down the street with your helmet off. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Speaking of helmets, Alicia Newman got injured uh, wearing a helmet today. So I think it comes back to education around, um, you know, concussion is tough. Concussion, you know, really, really can knock players around, even with the helmet. And we saw a few players on the weekend take some of those knocks. And I'm not suggesting wear a bike, a motorbike helmet at all, but um, just sort of shows, you know, I, I really felt for Alicia because um, she's been in and out of the team and um, she's an exciting young player. But just, you just don't like seeing anyone because I thought she was out cold for, for a bit there. And Was it Alicia sure Newman was. who got up after the knock, ran backwards and then fell down? Was that No, that was a else? Fremantle player. I'm pretty sure that was Fremantle. Right. Were they away? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a Fremantle against um, Crows. No? Might, might have to check that. Did they play Crows? I, I can't throw in this. Oh, in- too many games. <laughs> I can throw in there since you did mention concussion that uh, there was concerns for one AFLW player who played in the VFLW in Brooke Vernon who got spun around in a spin tackle and hit her head on the ground and ended up going off in a stretcher. I think it was the second quarter of that game. So obviously there's uh, some thoughts there with her. And when we talk about body counts as well, I guess all all hearts and mouth uh, from earlier today at uh, Collingwood where Britt Benici uh, appears to have done a serious knee injury, um, was consoled by Bree Davey. And uh, yes, uh, certainly fears that she may have done her ACL. Yeah, that's, yes. this is the injury story of the round, isn't it, Britt Benici? She went down yeah. really awkward. Absolutely critical to Collingwood. Gee, she's a good player. Yeah, and Bree would – it wouldn't matter what injury is, Bree would just be around anyway. That's just how she's been. From the day she got injured, she was at training the next day. She's just been down there. She's just an out-and-out leader. And um, and in her absence and Chotch's absence since uh, she was injured, Britt just really stepped up as a captain and a, and a young leader, you know, future future captain of that club, absolutely. So, yeah, hope hope she's okay. It just didn't look good. Well, let's look ahead to future seasons. Libby Birch uh, wrote an article once again in The Age, and she was suggesting that uh, if we're going to go fully professional, we've got uh, 18 teams in and everyone's going to play once, she's arguing the point we should move the women's to align with the men's season, saying about clear air and how the AFLW is competing against other sports at the moment. So what are the initial thoughts? Because on one hand, there's the argument that we're playing in temperatures that are just way too hot. And on the other hand, people don't like double headers. So where does the women's season lie? Mm. I've seen a suggestion for it to start at the end of the men's season. Uh, that I mean, that does set, set them up then for comparison <laughs> of quality of play. But... Uh, Certainly the the feeling is that once the men's season is finished, everyone goes into withdrawals and that would be a great time for the women to play. It certainly would not be as hot as it is at the moment. And I think something definitely has to be done. The, the extreme weather is just going to continue. And at the moment we have flooding in, in um, southeast Queensland so bad that there was that um, – Maruchidor Field, <laughs> Maruchidor Field that actually yeah. was like a swimming pool. That, that is actually the Lions AFLW home ground at the moment. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Well, look, I, I mean, for, for young listeners, I advise against swimming, as funny as it seems, and there was a Brisbane Lions men's player, I think he was swimming in his backyard for a laugh. Kids, 
don't do it. Where do you think the poos go? They go down. <laughs> they go down the drain, the drains that get filled up and then come out on the street. So if you're swimming in a flood, you're swimming amongst the poos and you don't want to do that. Just don't do it. We just had an advice corner, Fee. <laughs> Fee's advice corner. Five cents, like Lucy <laughs> from, um, from um, Fight Up Snoopy. Today, Fee. Yeah, um, can we go back to double headers? Mm. I don't mind a double header, but I just want to clarify. I want to watch back-to-back women's games because mm. I'm a fan and I reckon there's a lot of people who are fans of the women's game who will be happy to watch either VFLW and then AFLW or AFLW back-to-back or some of my friends might suggest Masters, then VFLW, then AFLW. You know, sure. let's build, go down the – I don't know. But, you know, I just I just think I I personally don't give a root about going to an AFLW game and sitting around for the men's game. I just think those who support the men's footy are probably more likely want to watch a VFL and then AFL yeah. or under-19s, you know, NAB League and then AFL. I just think that we've got separate styles of football, separate types of fans. And sure, there's some that cross over, heaps that will cross over, and they will probably be happy to have football all year round. You know, you know, some people were happy to have games almost every night this week, you know, so – um, that's that's my preference, and I just think the seasonal thing. I don't think we need to bring it in. I just think it would create too much of a drain on most of the fans play football or are involved in football clubs, so they need their winter to go to their codes, and the media will be all around the men's sports. You know, whatever league it is, the VFL, the NAFL. Um, sample, it doesn't matter, but they will take the media without a doubt. So I think, and you know, there's some merit to moving it to start September. I just, yeah, I just think putting it aligned. But my challenge or my issue then is these players who may, if they get a full season, they've got 10 games right now, some will not go back to play in their local state comps and then they have to wait all year round to then get to next season for another 10 games, it's not enough to really grow our top-tier players. So, yeah, the longer season, but then maybe shift the under-season so they can go back and play and still get some games and still develop some of their craft. For mine, it's the season should happen at the end of the men's, the AFLM. That's, that's, I think I said this before, but I'm, I'm a fan of a couple of the Crows players who are championing this idea six weeks or so ago. And I think I would even suggest a little crossover. So you started at the beginning of September when the AFLM finals begins. And, you know, you have that sort of, for any, any footy heads who enjoy AFLM as well, you know when September comes around, it's very exciting, but the number of games drops off each week. And by the time you're into round two of the finals, you've only got two games. So I think there's a real hankering to see footy. So you could set up the first four or so rounds of the AFL women's season then where it, it'll be watched because eyes are on the TV is watching watching football and then I think you you may garner a bit of a new audience as well that gets to go oh I didn't realize this is actually pretty good and, and damn it the grand final of the men's is finished I'm going to now watch this through October and, and uh, November um, as you say it's cooler I think you know the grounds are all in tip-top shape it's before the cricket season proper starts that that's where my vote goes I think it's too soon to run alongside the AFLM through winter even though traditionalists really want the footy through winter um, and I think maybe also if it's running through winter you almost have, this might sound crazy, but too many games of footy every weekend. Like, I'm, we're busy. We're busy people. You just, how much can you take in, you know? So a bit of separation, a bit of uh, clear air. Start it at the beginning of September. That's where my vote goes. Let people miss you. <laughs> Indeed. That's right. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> I'm Katie Loins, and you're listening to The Code Hanger. Just quickly looking at the uh, round eight results, of course, we had uh, that top two clash. The Crows beat uh, Fremantle by nine points. Uh, Richmond disappointing against Geelong, losing uh, by 23 points. Melbourne holding on at the very windy, always very windy, Casey Fields by 10 points. Uh, The Gold Coast going down to St Kilda's. The Saints getting their first win of the season by three points. Uh, Collingwood winning by 25 points over the Bulldogs. Uh, The Lions kicking the highest ever score in the AFLW to date, 15-8-98, beating uh, the Eagles by 74 points. And, of course, uh, an 18-point win for Carlton over GW. 
GWS. Out of those games, um, anything impress you? Anything disappoint you? Oh, I just wish that the Brisbane Lions had managed to make two more points. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Think of your opponents. Make a century. Um, look, I think they will celebrate that the Saints won their four points, and I'm wording this carefully because I don't feel they won the game. I feel no. like the Suns lost that game. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, even though the Saints led throughout for large chunks of that game, they've still, I think it really showed, they've still got a lot of work to do. And the Suns, you know, even aside from Perko missing those two goals, they Suns let them take the points, really. I don't, I don't feel like Saints won that game um, is how yep. I look at that one. Suns were just not looking themselves. They they seemed tired early. Cloudy. People were suggesting that uh, they were being cloudy. Kiwi. Just get a ban for that. Five that minutes. Mate, you know what? Wherever you go, you take the weather with you. Oh. Oh. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Pete for Peter, the can jokes. you strike them both out, please? It's you and me. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a crowded house. Uh, no! Oh, <laughs> boom, that's the mic drop. <laughs> em, you're out now. You're on your own. I'm out. I'm, I'm, what of these got? kids is doing his own thing. It's me, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my cheeks are hurting. Oh, that's superb, Pete. Um, but if you look at the Fremantle Adelaide game, I'd be worried if I was Adelaide, especially the forwards coach. Their um, efficiency inside 50 have dropped by half. They usually sit around about the 60s and they drop down to the 30s and coming into finals, and that's against a quality team, you want to be kicking a little bit better because you're going to get less chances in that forward 50. You want to be doing a lot better with the football. So, yeah, I'd be a bit concerned with um, with the Adelaide um, getting through the big sticks right now. It was very tight game, wasn't it, Adelaide and Freo? And I think mm. really you can say the same about the North and Melbourne game. I know there were the conditions were extreme with the wind there, but they but both those sort of stellar matches that the, they were all, um, you know, top-notch finals performers produced really tight games, very tackle-driven defensive kinds of games. And I wonder whether, I think I agree with you, Kiwi, that, the, the, you know, the Adelaide have to look at their forward line and they're on notice, but whether the games and the finals are going to be of that nature, that there's going to just be, and this is a phrase that gets overused, but an arm wrestle each game rather than the sort of free-flowing stuff we hope to see from those top-line sides. Um, you, you can't go past Brisbane's performance today, obviously kicking a record score in the AFLW, and talk about Adelaide being nervous. I think they should be very nervous about the Lions. They've kind of crept under the radar as much as a premiership team from last year can. They have done that and it look like they're hitting absolute peak form at the right time. Are you calling the, the grand final now, are you? Well, you reckon it's going to be look, Lions, Lions versus Adelaide? Since Lions you've raised it, since we're here, I reckon. <laughs> Again? Yep, Crows v Lions. Again. Unfortunately, it's not exactly what we're after, but because we like a bit of change up, you know, but I think at the moment, Fee, <laughs> well, since, since you put me since, on the spot. Since Kiwi mentioned about uh, the movement of uh, ball into Adelaide's forward line, it's interesting to note that amongst, I think it's the top three players when it comes to score involvements is Erin Phillips. And, of course, mm. she is out. There. Mm. Mm. But, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they've got depth. We've seen that in the, in the um, other matches she's been out of. Um, I think they'll be fine. <laughs> um, so she's out with a knee injury, right? That's correct. Do you think this is more severe than her quad awareness? Remember when she had she was working on one leg and she stood in the goal square and still banged in four goals? Like <laughs> She only needed Aaron one good on, quad. Erin on one leg is still, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, obviously rest her. She's getting older, look after her and hope she comes back for more years. But um, yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? The difference that they they had with that just extra little bit of punch middle, isn't it? Speaking of Phillips, of course, the big rumour is that she will finish up this season and take the coaching role at Port Adelaide. Or is that just old news? I think that's Port's rumour. Mm. Um, Very strong. It's a strong one, though. I, I am hearing she's playing at least one season for Port Adelaide. Right. Okay. I've heard commentators say, I reckon she could coach a game. So, um, have a little bit look more into the history. She's been coaching for quite a few years. 
I remember in 2018 she came and spent some sessions down at Darren Falcons, um, just growing off Jane Lange, just you know working away around the field. And I'm pretty sure it was 2018 she was her and Asta were the two coaches in charge of the Australian Youth Girls Academy. So she's been in and she's done her, you know, done plenty of coaching and, um, you know, gaining some experience already for her future. Um, so, she, you know, she won't be just walking in brand new. She um, she has done some coaching. But, yeah, I'm, hope, I'm hoping we see her for a couple more years. Long live mm, the Phillips. Mm, yeah, right? same. <laughs> flip. Good old flip. Now, obviously <laughs> – Tracy is missing, and this would normally be her honour to have a look at the tips and and who's on the leaderboard as we get to the serious end of the season. Uh, Fee, do you have on you where everyone is sitting at the moment? No. Well, it must be, um, I think. Fee is literally feverishly <laughs> trying to find her phone at the moment. See, Tracy, <laughs> we need how, the visual. how can we do this without you, Tracy? She Kick? would have, exactly. She would have had her. Do you think the phone. Richmond game would have thrown a few tips out? Because I would have thought a lot of people would have picked Richmond at home. Look, I think the greatest talking point of the tipping this week really is that a great majority of people tipped West Coast over Brisbane. I do not know what is going on there. I can only assume there was some very dark cyber attack that hit up the AFLW tipping centres. 97% or something like that to three. are Are you suggesting some foreign involvement? I, I quietly am, Peter, actually. I'm quite worried about it. 24. So I take that back. It was, it was, no, sorry, 3%, 97%, as in 97 picked West Coast over Brisbane. I mean, I ask you, what is going on? It's the Putin effect. Mm. It is. It's the Putin effect. So um, in first place, we have Joanne Tails, Joe Tails. And let hot, uh, and hot on her heels, sorry, MG. Hot on her heels is MG, who won yeah. our comp last year. But can I add, sorry to mm. jump in. Mm. They only tipped three right. So the leaders at the top of our competition only got three right from the weekend until you go down to find Claire Flynn, who got six right. And she is sitting 11th. Anything could happen in the last few rounds. Um, just one other thing to remind our tipsters, if you go to the AFLW app, there is now a new round 12, just the one game. Sorry, V. Why? I don't know. I tipped all my weeks ahead and I went back to just check what I tipped this week and they had all disappeared. But I think you'll find the round 12 game has already been played, Kiwi, as you do. No, I take that back. I'm sorry. The round 11 game has already been played. There is a now additional round 12 game. Okay. I was going to say, did I tip it right? Um, Round 12, yes. It hasn't been played. It'd be played... Two weeks' time. Free O is hosting the Suns. But look, in uh, in breaking news, it oh. looks like I'm beating the lot of years. No I'm way. in 18th place. Let Emma me double check this. Phillips is in 20th place. Um, Nat Morgan, shout out to Nat Morgan, 24th. Wow. Um. And Tracy Kick, 39. Where are you, Kiwi? Are you I'm in from... here? Hang on. I've got to be above you. We usually are. I'm number six. I'm sixth. <laughs> I'm, I'm single digits. Oh, okay. I just, this is outrageous. I didn't, I didn't recognise your, um, your, your persona <laughs> there. <laughs> I'm surprised Nat's fallen from grace so quickly. She was like topping that leaderboard and she was ripping into you and all went down when you and Nat had that beer, that beer bit. Um, that's when it happened. <laughs> it's just that's my fault. <laughs> No, I yeah. think, well, you did that for the rest of us, didn't you? <laughs> Threw a rough balance. That's right. Took one. Okay. Can I just say a quick something about the fact that sometimes the commentators are not actually at the ground when they are commentating? So they're obviously looking at screens and and passing judgment on, on what they see. Now, I understand that completely was a very efficient way of maintaining um, the commentary team's during COVID, but travel is possible now. And what we are finding is that when there's controversy on the field, it is not properly explained by someone looking at a screen. Hence the um, the the free that uh, Smitty was given on Wednesday, people were, were um, 
objecting to very loudly because they didn't actually know what was going on and neither did the commentators. In fact, they were helping to um, build the controversy because they didn't know what was going on. But today, during the Pies game, um, there was a free kick given and then a 50 to one Steph Kiochi. The cameras panned to Britt Benici on the um, ground. That, that was big news, though. <laughs> but the, And then they went – so I actually saw it on the screen when they panned away and I thought, oh, well, the commentators mustn't be at the ground that, that, that explains it. No, no, they were there. They were there. They were at the ground. <laughs> they just decided to talk about Britt Benici and not the 50 that was given away. Mm. So I don't know. Did, and probably Ch- is that Chopter's first goal for the season? She doesn't get many goals. Um, be celebrating that. I'm sure. Yeah, should be wishing the camera was watching her. Yeah. Hey, do you reckon? Do you reckon we need an advice corner and a complaints corner? <laughs> Fee's <laughs> taking up double space. She's double parked. <laughs> right into. I mean, I would business. contribute. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, I have oh, to yeah. say, is it Isabella Limbergen? Is that his surname? Mm. She's had a busy week. She was in Sydney, then she was in Brisbane or Maroochydore, then she was in Canberra. Now she can get around to the games. Be a few others. Pack your bags. Get on a plane. Otherwise, hire the Wharf Radio team. They get around all the games. They can do it. They've shown it's possible. Multiple games in a week. Be there. See it. Call the action. Even after working an overnight shift, and then going straight into it. Dedication. But but may I say, Fee, just adding to your point about them also not being at the ground. I think one thing is, and it's particularly a lot with the Fox Footy broadcast. Their post game is, if anything, maybe two minutes, two three minutes tops, very quick. So it doesn't allow either a break or something like that for communication between producers and officials to go right. What actually did happen here? And time to take back and look at all the camera angle replays to go. Hang on, what did we spot or what did we miss? When you've got two minutes to go, quick, wrap it up. Who was the best players? Quick, interview that player. Right, we're out of here. Bye. It doesn't allow proper analysis. Yep. So Isn't that what you just change. get a gaffer for? Someone, I don't know what the word would be for um, commentating, but, you know, someone who looks at all that stuff for you and then feeds you the information in, in an earpiece, you know. Yeah, that's what that's the job of the producer. But, again, um, it comes down to if they've only got two minutes to do it and they're looking at the clock saying, oh, we've got to get off air. Um, again, it's not like, unfortunately, like the men's on Friday Night Football where they'll go on for an hour and here's the coaches' press conferences and then we'll waffle on about nothing. And then there's three <laughs> more shows after that about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's have a look ahead to round nine before we wrap up. Uh, the games are St Kilda versus Geelong at Moorabbin, the first game at Moorabbin after they've relayed the service and put a new stand in. Uh, GWS versus Richmond at Giants Stadium. Uh, there's actually a double header at Optus Stadium in WA from Mantle versus Melbourne and West Coast versus the Bulldogs. In fact, the West, West Coast Bulldogs game will kick off at 9.40pm Eastern Standard Time. So a late night for any kids that want to stay up and watch that game. On uh, Sunday, it is the Lions versus the Kangaroos at Maroochydore, if it's dried out in time. Uh, the Crows versus Collingwood <laughs> at Norwood Oval and Carlton versus the Suns at uh, Icon Park. What game takes your fancy that we played this weekend? Go, Suns, smash them. Smash those navy blues like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> There's two big blockbusters again, though, isn't there? In the you know the Dockers playing the D's. I mean, that's huge. And then you've mm. got North Melbourne and the Lions as well. So this is really going to test all four of those clubs and sort out who sits where. And in a final six, it's probably looking pretty solid now. I don't know that the final six will change from here, but within that, those spots are you know especially those top two spots obviously are coveted since those two teams will go through to a prelim straight away. So there's a lot to play for with just two rounds to go. I think we can't really take our eyes off those two games. I agree. Didn't you add? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. Was I that think... a conversation killer? Sorry yeah, no, about that. I think it was beautifully, <laughs> I think beautifully put. That Frio uh, Demons game is is going to show us if if you're right, M. That's what it's going to do. If it's <laughs> what gonna, if I'm if, right about them being about, good matches? Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, D's being, you know, pretty, pretty solid – uh, you know, contenders, I guess, but um, will they will they tiptoe and you know put pressure on Adelaide above? Because you know, will Adelaide kick straight against Collingwood, or D's come in? Yeah, I think something in that fee too, because of course Melbourne have actually had a pretty good run through the season. In relative terms, they've had a good run up until now, and their final handful of games are really tough ones. So it'll 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 be a big test. Now, obviously, they 
have beaten North Melbourne. Um, they did get the benefit of three 50-metre penalties, two of which resulted in goals. Not to, to take anything away from Melbourne, they definitely were the better side, but possibly not that much better. So, again, how do they shape up against a, a Dockers over there? And what we'll, do you see we'll, happening um, between Crows Chiara and Bowers be back? Yeah, there's our, there's our grand final right there. Mm. I, think, um, I think Brisbane are a show without the, you know, Crows are still missing some big players. Brisbane has been sharp over a few weeks now, a few games. Yep. I think just, just that pure sharpness in the way they move the ball and just clean. They, they spread, are so clean, aren't they? They yep. hit their targets. High quality players. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, if you took one out, I think they've still got enough talent around, you know, pretty much like the Crows generally. Mm. Um. You know that that even one injury wouldn't really affect that team. I think they've just got they've got you know anyone can kick a goal really. Yeah, I'm afraid North might get shown up in this one. I think quite thoroughly. <laughs> but then they're going to be hungry. I think mm. they're they're going to be hungry, and you know they've got the midfield definitely to um, compete. It's just a matter of can they link up with the rest. It'll be a good game. I reckon it'll be a good cracking game. And to finish off, uh, just pointing out again uh, Kiwi's point that anyone can kick a goal except at the Giants where only Cora is allowed to. On that note, it's time to wrap up and say farewell once again to the magnificent Fee Lamb, to Lisa, Coach Kiwi Roper and to Emma Phillips. Thank you all for your attendance on another edition of The Coat Hanger. Thanks, Pete. Better be home soon. I don't think the Giants will ever want to speak to us again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this has been round nine of the Code Hanger for AFLW Season 6. We'll be coming to you every week on 2SER 107.3 FM. Be sure to catch us on our socials. We're at Coat Hanger Footy on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget, you can catch the full version of the show in the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And as always, for the best harbour views in women's footy, tune into the Code Hanger. And don't dream it's over. Oh! oh.